0: I think we might as well get going. Let's see. Let me pull up uh, everything. Man, we got a lot of shit to go over today.
1: The world's horrible. The world's bad. The world the
2: thing. Is bad. Uh, we all had our bang energies before this, so you're
0: absolutely right. <laughs> well, uh, it's Brigham Young Money. We're here on uh, Jordan's Jordan's end of stand up desk. He's dancing. Greg and I are wearing black hoodies to reflect our mood. But Jordan is gonna be carrying us through tonight with his incredible uh tracksuit game and very low sleep energy that he's he's got going. That's because I got rigid.
1: I got blocked by the centrism fan account today. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Oh my god.
0: Hell yeah. Nicely done. Wait, so what did you do to get blocked by, by that incredibly logical and rational person?
1: He was mad that everyone was like dogpiling him for defending baby jails. So Um, I just tweeted him the picture of that girl who was like, a fascist is running, chief kiddo (laughs) champ. (laughs) We can talk about the two-party system after we defeat the
0: fascists.
2: Oh my god. Just sounding like the shittiest Rick and Morty character to ever Dude, that 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 to ever be created. Just dog shit. You could play
1: that to like detainees at Guantanamo and you'd break them. Like, that's it. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Just never play that again.
0: Listen here, champ. Oh, my God. I I almost want you to put that in the episode. But anyway.
1: A
3: fucking fascist. Listen, kiddo. I get it. I don't like the two-party system. I think our country's corrupt. And quite frankly, I don't want to vote for Biden. It feels like voting for a Republican. But I'm going to do it. You want to know why? Because the alternative is a fucking fascist. A fascist is a fascist. Maybe we can have the conversation about dismantling the two-party system when a fascist isn't running. Maybe we can do that later, kiddo. Champ? Chief? Maybe we can talk about it later.
0: Oh, it's so good. Well, okay. So first of all, uh-huh. let's let's just hop right into the Joe Biden situation that we're dealing with right now. Um there's also a lot of bitch. stuff going on with the uh, uh, COVID relief bill and the fact that they're not doing um, $15 minimum wage through it, which they easily could. And basically, the only thing that's stopping it is Kamala Harris right now. Um, but um, we can talk about that later or a- another time because it just is what it is at this point. But something that's interesting uh, that's happened over the last week is the announcement that Joe Biden has and his administration have officially opened, um, well, reopened is a better word, some of the uh, what are quite literally child prisons or child detention centers or baby jails, as we're going to be affectionately calling them from here on out, Um and one in particular is really interesting that's being reopened. And this, of course, is one that was um, shut down, I guess, toward the end of the Trump administration. I'm not quite sure. Um, but there is an incredible gif of Kamala Harris that, that um, surfaced over there, I think, I guess it was in 2019, where she's like waving to the crowd and then she does this like really big, deep breath and just like looks off into the distance. That was um, when she showed up to a... Di- this specific detention center to draw attention to the atrocities that were taking place at that um, detention center. And now that is the exact one that is being reopened by the administration that she, she belongs to. That sounds so, bad. <laughs> I think it's bad. I think it's bad, but and, it's
2: really just, and it goes into the whole theory and the idea. And I'm a hundred percent on board with this theory and idea that like, politics nowadays is just it's just fucking theater oh it's, yeah it's sport. It's, it's a just, sport for these it's people. just yeah it's just performance art at this time like it's you like at this point like wwe is more believable
0: yeah it it really is and like we're i mean we're gonna be talking a lot about certain people in this episode who really treat politics like sport but this is a great example because w- when she was there that day with um you know demanding that it be closed she said i strongly believe that you should judge a society based on how it treats its children they are children and we are not treating them well at all we are treating them like prisoners so we are again reopening one of these places the exact one that she was at to treat children like prisoners so um
1: it reopened know, two days ago yeah two days From ago it's, Why it's just like, it's, it's just completely wild too. And they shut it down in 2019 because like they, it's a private facility too. So like, it's oh, not like anything run right. by like the department of Homeland security. It's contracted. You could can cancel it at any time.
0: Yeah. Like this isn't the ones that are, have been just continuously running of all the ice facilities at the border. This is a private facility that's important to mention that does not need to be open, but is uh, being opened regardless. It's been so, so
1: fun in like the last few days, just seeing like liberals just try and defend this too. Like yeah. they're, they're the, they're, they won and they're the maddest people on the planet too, because like, cause they didn't think that they have to defend like baby jails and like in case, kids in cages again after like tried to bludgeon us all over the head for like the last two years but jordan they're
2: the most progressive baby jails in american history
0: <laughs> oh the, i think the, you both mean overflow facilities
1: i believe oh sorry yeah you, we're it's, calling them. yeah it's they're not actual like detainment facilities you're not free to go at any time nope um also look how nice of the trailers they put him in there those bars on the window those just come with it okay there's there's not much they can really do about that and you know what it's nice they got mats in there i think they probably even get to watch like nickelodeon in there too it's it's probably really nice because i mean we take care of them as opposed to republicans who make it really cruel
2: (sighs) it also whips that like kamala is talking about how you should judge a society based on how it's treated children when like she made a name for herself like arresting parents of tardy kids
1: build more schools yeah. not jails
0: oh my god yeah yep yep yeah i mean like, we really don't want to look at how this country treats its children in any uh capacity at all uh let alone how they are continuing to treat the children of the um who are migrants so um so that's incredibly fun there's a lot we could talk about that but we've got a lot to go over today so we'll move on to another fun thing about the Biden administration which is of course that tonight as of tonight we've officially started bombing syria again um this is of course to uh, go after some um iran aligned militias supposedly who are in the area um but we've, you know, of course, uh, we're seeing uh, really, you know, I, 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 and, I, and I know what you're all thinking, like war is bad, like we shouldn't be there at all. But let me read you, you something that might just change your mind. So this is a tweet from someone who I, who I dearly respect. And it is so different having military action under Joe Biden. No middle school level threats on Twitter. Trust Biden and his team's confidence, competence, Sorry.
1: It's it's so good to have like the adults dropping cluster bombs on kids again. It's I'm very
0: glad the adults are back in the room. I I, I saw another one that was um let's see uh, I think that oh yeah the other tweet here such a quiet attack no drama no TV coverage of bombs <laughs> hitting the targets no comments on on how presidential Biden is what a difference.
2: Oh, it really it really is the meme of. Like the Republican foreign policy, which is just like a bomb getting dropped on Iraq, and then like the Democrats, which just is the same bomb getting dropped on in Iraq with like a coexist
0: bumper sticker. Yeah, and it's uh, like it's just it's so incredibly on. This is the first one dropped by women or something. Yeah, it's yeah exactly. I have it under great authority
1: that the uh, F thirty five that dropped that thousand pound bomb um, had a folded pride flag in it. Jesus this is really Christ. significant to us as it shows the, how progressive we are that I mean like we can oh we God. can we can senselessly murder people in the middle east but with a progressive lens
0: it's it's just it's amazing i mean i I don't understand how they can i mean how people can just like be like i mean again Politics, completely aesthetic, completely just what team you're on.
3: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: And it's also just kind of shows like how we're moving back towards that clean war theory under like Joe Biden. Because all we're going to go back to is just sanctions and drones and no boots on the ground. No boots on the ground. We're just going to like we're going to do it as clean as humanly possible. So people don't have to like face the human atrocity that is American foreign policy. And Like the justification for this attack alone was insane to me because what they said was like, well, we had to do it because they were threatening our bases in Iraq with rockets. Like, well, what the fuck are we still doing there? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, no, the Iranian aligned militias, which are just the Shia militias in Syria and Iraq are angry. We're still there. Well, they're from there. So, yeah.
0: So imagine you drove across across the entire salt lake valley someone downtown drives out to harriman and that person breaks into someone's house and is like going through all their stuff taking things whatever and then one of that the, one of that person's neighbors sees you in there and goes into the house and confronts you over it and then now you feel justified to uh, kill that person who caught you doing this and say well they were threatening me it's I mean, like stitches, what the fuck were you doing there in the first place? But
1: I mean, this is what American foreign policy is going to be now, too. It's just, like, yeah. it's going to be this – it's going to be the continuation of uh, trying to, like, start a new Cold War with China. It's going to be continued action against Iran. It's going to be just essentially trying to reassert ourselves as, like, the uh, the grown-up uh, hegemon inside the world. And it's not going to work because no one yeah. really takes it seriously anymore. Like, like yeah. Donald Trump was the perfect epitome of like the decline of empire. So, like, yeah, Europe's like this empire is dead. Yeah, Europe's not going to take it seriously. Like after like Donald Trump for four years, like Europe's looking for a backup plan as like who's going to back them up defensively, and it's not going to be the United States long term.
0: Yeah, and, and like I, I I just randomly got in a discussion on Twitter with someone about it, and you know, uh, someone in response was like, I guess we should let them attack our troops with no response. And someone's like, guess that's what happens when you occupy a foreign territory. And he said, agreed, but we are there and we have to protect our forces while we are there, regardless if you want to be there or not. And I said, why not just remove them instead? He said, because we have already created a mess. I think an immediate withdrawal will just leave the region worse off. And I said, why do you think that? And he said, I always picture an organized withdrawal, setting up of local security would be good. Just one day up and leave, leaves a vacuum. And that tends to get filled up with by all the wrong people. And I said, that's exactly what we've been hearing for 12 years. And he said, 50, I dislike it as much as- This is well, exactly yeah, what we 50. heard from
1: Richard Nixon from Vietnam too, he was like, uh, peace with honor.
0: Yeah, specifically in this area, it's been since Obama took office. And um, he says, you know, I dislike it as much as you do, of course, but we went in, made a mess and somehow have to clean it up. And I said, to be clear, you think that continuing airstrikes is cleaning it up. And he, and like, again, we wouldn't be attacked if we weren't there uh, illegally, unnecessarily, and unethically. So the response when, if, if we get attacked over there, the response should be to leave, not to retaliate. The
1: Iraqi parliament voted for us to leave. The one that we established, yeah, like incredible. Do they still want our help to clean yeah. up the mess, quote unquote? Uh, I don't think so. They want us gone because all we're you doing know. is just continuing to like, like create conflict, especially between Syria and Iran. So
0: yeah, it it's it's going swimmingly and continuing the theme of uh, Biden's presidency going super well. We want to talk about a little person. Um, actually, I don't know how tall she is, but a person named Neera Tandon.
2: Our um, our our absolute favorite wine mom of all time.
0: <laughs> we Zemper have no choice but Post. to stand. No <laughs> choice but to stand. So Neera Tandon is the former president of CAP, which is the Center for American Progress. She's someone who has been in, uh, she's like one of um, the Clinton's most loyal people, specifically Hillary Clinton. She's been around with the Clinton family forever. Um, She was famously in the background of a video where Hillary Clinton is basically arguing against gay marriage. Um, Neera Tanden's there giving her moral support for that. And she's incredibly famous for going on like, three to 4 a.m. Twitter tirades, which seem to be influenced heavily by alcohol against everyone to her left, which is a considerable amount of people because she um is just a run-of-the-mill democratic party she's um, a
1: reagan loyalist. democrat Kyle. she's just a
0: democratic party loyalist so wherever like the mainstream of the democratic party is that's where she is
1: let he who hasn't like got zanned out at like 3 a.m and started tweeting at like a grad student <laughs> with 200 followers cast the first stone okay
0: dude she's i i she's argued with me before on twitter
1: like she is
0: <laughs> has no standards at all i know what the fuck are you doing in Utah? <laughs> Dude, I've gotten I've gotten in a lot of like a lot of cap people have argued with me before. Um specifically so weirdly in in, ver- in Vic Berger's replies, because Vic Berger is not a fan of of uh Tandon as as no one should be. But no, she's also famous. Vic Burger is cool. Yeah. She's famously like anti bernie throughout like well throughout all of Bernie's like uh runs through f- for
1: the presidency yeah, famously anti-Bernie while leading an organization that just takes money from um say Gulf state monarchies that totally don't run like slave markets in their own countries or yep giving money to the American Enterprise Institute for like a co-authored report on what do you call it, extremism but yep or yeah populism which is just like oh yeah,
0: yeah. So, like, I totally forgot to put down, uh, in a, uh, like when I was thinking about this is that, um, so when she was running CAP, she, uh, people who were working there, like, there there have been good people that have worked at CAP. Neera Tandon has been the president for a long time. So, there have been a lot of good people that have worked there briefly, had miserable experiences, and then left. And there were people that were doing a really good report about Michael Bloomberg's targeting of um, Muslims in New York City. And, um, and he did, he had this surveillance program on them. CAP did a report on this. And after a, do, a very large donation from Michael Bloomberg to CAP, they took out an entire part of the report that specifically mentioned how Michael Bloomberg was involved in, or, in architecting that plan. So um, very just goes where the money is. And near a tandem. Famous again for fighting with people on Twitter, has was nominated to the Office of Management and Budget by Joe Biden, um, which was clearly just like uh like a kickback for all the work she did to basically try to derail progressives in the primary in uh 2020, wait, 2020. Yeah. Um and her nomination is essentially being completely derailed by joe manchin in particular but republicans as well and a gigantic deal is being made about her mean tweets specific like she she like i gotta hand it to her she is has been committed to posting like her entire uh her entire professional life and she has called uh a lot of politicians a lot of really mean things which hey i'm i'm all for that i do the exact same thing but I'm also not being nominated to the OMB. So a lot is being made of of these tweets, and this is essentially she. I mean, at the end of the day, this is like she's not going to get nominated to this, and the main focal point of this is because she's uh, been tweet. Oh, and this also comes after she's deleted thousands of tweets, which is <laughs> its own thing. In itself. <laughs> like now they're they're concerned about transparency, supposedly, and. I mean, quite honestly, this is there's there's a ton of reasons that we're going to talk about uh, briefly to um, not pick her for this. So like some of the things I mentioned already, but um, the Senate really doesn't want to focus on the substance of those because a lot of them can also be held uh, accountable for those same issues. Um, But yeah, this is just an incredible derailing of someone over their posting history. And I
1: kind of love it. And I, I still love like every sort of like liberal who's trying to defend her too. It's like, why, why do you not want Nira Tan? It's like, I don't care. Like, nominate Nira, let her in. Who cares? Yeah. I find it funny because I have no like buy in with this administration at all. And like, and yeah. people will just go like, well, they'll just replace her with someone. I don't give a fuck. Fine. Sure. Yeah. Find someone else. Who cares? It's an OMB director for a Biden administration. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, the only real cool thing is
2: it's just watching Nira eat shit because Nira sucks. Absolutely. It's just personal,
1: like, it's just personal joy because you just see something who's just been shitty on Twitter for, oh, I don't know, years. And then just, like, have them eat shit because of it. It's the, like, it's, yeah, it's the poster's revenge. But, like, you had nothing to do with it, but you're still enjoying it.
2: And speaking of posts who could ever forget her most famous post in which in the form of an email, which was, we have a deficit. They have a lot of oil, which was sent by Nira Tanden in 2011 talking about Libya.
0: Awful, awful stuff. Yeah. There, and that's are, just like the tip yeah, of the iceberg. They're incredibly like real reasons to oppose her nomination. Um, tweets being the thing to to derail her after all she's done is just I think hilarious um but there's like she has a lot of defenders online and she's always had a lot of defenders online um and specifically right now they're really coming out and uh I think one of the things that they're running with is like oh she like this is because she is I think she's Indian is that right Um, she's south asian there's south she's south Mm -hmm. asian and someone we got this incredible tweet from eric swalwell in particular and he said i represent one of the largest indian american districts in the united states how do i look at what's happening to neera Tandon and tell little girls of south asian descent that they'll have the same that they'll have the same opportunities in life as white men the answer is i can't and that's a shame okay so ignoring the fact that kamala harris is also south indian and she's the vice president but um, something really funny about Eric in particular is that his 2019 primary challenger, it was an Afghani woman. So if he has any sort of honesty and honor as a man, he should immediately resign and give his position to, to her. I mean, I think that's only right. Um, it's just so cynical, especially because like, I mean, representation politics when it comes to like nominating the CIA director is just like hilarious type stuff, but like, Joe Biden's uh, um, his nominations have been a lot of like black men and brown women. And uh, I mean, his vice president is is Kamala Harris. But one in particular, I think that a, a piece that's interesting about this, I think, is that near tandem was kind of set up to fail because. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're giving the Republicans this one, but then they're going to get Deb Holland in there for a secretary of the interior, which is kind of the person they wanted in there anyway. So um, I think this is just kind of a gimme to the Republicans, which is funny, but we should absolutely talk about some actual reasons to oppose Neera Tanden. And one of the things that was mentioned that Greg just said is that she <laughs> In some leaked emails, she argued that Libyans should be forced to turn over large portions of their oil revenues to repay the United States for costs incurred while bombing Libya. Um, and the reason is it's it's on the grounds that Americans will support future wars only if they see that countries attacked by the US pay for the invasions. She's just like, just that is just disgusting.
1: Okay. It, it is it is completely <laughs> disgusting. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's like, it's literally a war crime too. And I, I saw people on Twitter too, like, um, actually they should be paying us back for how we liberated them. He was like, yeah, we really paid. Yeah, we really, we did a great job. We did. We, we created, we just built a growth industry and slavery in Libya. You know, that's a, that, that's hard to create. And we did that. Also. I forgot something else that Neera Tanden was a part of, and it has like a hilarious amount of it too. I'm just going to read the Wikipedia entry for this. Hell yes. (laughs) In 2016, Bruce Reed, a Democratic political operative, said Tanden played a role in implementing Clinton's welfare reform bill, the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act, signed in 1996. Tanden denied the claim, and in... And in response, posted a screenshot of what she claimed was an email from Reed, but was written in the iPhone's Note app. Oh
0: my God, that's
1: right. (laughs) After receiving accusations that she had fabricated the email, Tandon posted another screenshot of an email with the exact same text, which she was also accused of fabricating.
0: Oh my God, yeah, so... Oh, man, brain yeah. genius it was like it was straight up being like look at this email i received and it was in the old version of the notes app it was just like it was so embarrassing oh my god i forgot about that yeah you um, pulled a
2: stephen a smith
0: yeah dude okay well that that's in particular that's something interesting because uh she's advocated for cuts to social security medicare and medicaid and um and was instrumental in cutting, uh, or in welfare reform, which was cuts to welfare during the austerity politics of the Clinton administration, ending
1: welfare as we knew it.
0: Yeah. But like one of the worst things about that is that she's justified her decisions and, and and part of doing that and her outlook on that whole thing as being like, she knows better because she grew up on, on, on some of these programs. So she, not only would, did she, um have like the ability to take advantage of these programs when she was younger and, and that's a very good thing that she was able to do that and she and her family had that option but she has that experience and then was willing to cut those programs it's fucking disgusting i it just I oh, hate yeah. it so much so um a few other things before we move on cap um, also covered up sexual harassment allegations. And when a report was released about this, I think it was by Buzzfeed um, Nira outed the victim of those sexual harassment um, claims uh, in a company meeting. Um, that was great. Jesus awesome. Christ. Um, so cap also had a news division called think progress. Uh, Bernie Sanders um, was he the campaign chairman? Uh Faze Shakir, I can't, I can't remember what his job was. He's part of the Bernie. Sanders oh, he was
1: campaign, the but... foreign policy advisor to Bernie. Okay, so before that, um,
0: he worked at Think Progress, and uh, she famously punched Faze uh, while he worked there. So that was great. Um, that she was also shut down the union there. Yeah, that was before busting the union because she shut down Think Progress to essentially avoid uh, unionization, and then they relaunched Think Progress three days after after everyone had gotten laid off. So. That was great. And um, now she just has like an insane following of people on Twitter who are going after anyone that's asking, like that's bringing things up about her. Like this reporter talked to I think it was Susan Collins uh, to she talked to her about some tweets that Neera Tannen had about Susan Collins. And this was Murkowski, I thought. Oh, it was Murkowski. You're right. I knew it was one of those like in between senators. Or yeah, whatever.
1: problem solvers caucus or some bullshit. Yeah.
0: So her name is Sung Min Kim. And she, I think she's f- works for the Washington the Washington Post. But she showed um, Murkowski these messages. And she shared some of her emails that she got from the, these NERA defenders. And it said, what a coonish thing to do to fuck up another POC nomination on behalf of whites. Dumbass snitch. That was one. That was a good one. And then she also, a bunch of these were, let's see, this is clearly harsh language that I do not condone. but to act like you weren't acting in bad faith is naive. This is disgraceful. That being said, torpedoing a cabinet position appointee is well below your skill set. The language is inappropriate, but I understand the sentiment. Well deserved. She didn't, um, what you did is unpro- unprofessional. The post should fire you. And this is just her just talking to a senator about some posts that this nominee had about her. Um, And it's just insane. It's
1: literally like asking a senator a question about what's currently going on for a nomination process. The senator asking, what are you talking about? And then showing them the the relevant material. Like, yeah, I I have no words for that. Like, how is that bad? Except for like, uh, you uh, made Joe Biden look bad. How dare you? It's
0: it's I mean. When your team fucks up, dude, this is this is what you get. You got to defend the team. Um, so the last national topic that we'll, we'll focus on r- real quickly is um, our own Utah's own Mitt Romney. He's, um, he's following suit from the Utah legislature's decision to hold Utah schools hostage when it came to giving teachers bonuses for teaching during this insanely awful time to be alive and especially to be teaching. Um, He's basically doing that exact same thing, but at a national level. So specifically, uh, Romney says that if schools want pandemic aid, they need to offer in-person classes. Senator Mitt Romney said Thursday that before schools get the $170 billion that President Joe Biden proposes for them as part of his $1.9 trillion pandemic relief package, they should be required to hold in-person classes and no longer meet online. Quote, the evidence doesn't show so far that those have been that that have been having kids in classrooms are seeing a spike in COVID cases. Um, Well, that's not true. First of all, Uh, I think you should just take a look at our state last fall. But
1: okay, Kyle, 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 are you saying that Mitt Romney would put like the lives of working class people at risk? That doesn't sound like anything Mitt Romney would do. Well, that's
0: interesting that you bring that up. Um, because he, he did go on to say some incredible things. He said, Romney said, if it is safe for essential employees and a variety of industries to work safely, students should be able to return to school too. grocery store workers are working drugstore workers, taxi drivers, EMS, healthcare workers, but there's just as much priority for our kids to be educated. The Senator said, we have to get our kids into school. He should really look up how many, um, for instance, transit workers have died in New York in particular, over the course of the pandemic simply because they continued during their jobs through this pandemic. I've got some really fucking bad news. It's actually not safe for any of those people to continue working at this time.
1: Well, if Mitt Romney wasn't a guy who I'm sure would scream at a driver for looking him in the eye at all, I'm sure he would really be concerned about that.
0: Insane.
2: You guys remember like, I don't know, two, three weeks ago when we were talking about how Mitt Romney has like an 80% approval rating among the Democratic Party here in Utah.
1: That's no, because yep. the Utah Democratic Party doesn't care about working class people either.
0: Fucking sick. So cool. It's all aesthetics, man. It doesn't fucking matter. It's all aesthetics. So shout out to Mint for uh, really, you know, bringing, bringing Utah's best ideas to the national uh, platform. I think that's that's really great of him.
2: You know, shout out to Brad Wilson as well for oh. I never thought he was this, like this influential like this is a big step in his career oh, and I know, you know we but... may not see eye to eye on things but you know I'm happy to see people's success and having them kind of <laughs> climb the ladder so hats off Brad your extortion plot worked and it's going national
0: and Mitt and... paid him with exposure
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> You are the unpaid intern of the GOP. <laughs> you know That's what? Right. I see
1: big things coming from Brad Wilson, especially towards the end of this episode. That's
0: right. He he makes a later appearance. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what He's round two for him is. He sucks so fucking bad. <laughs> him has goddamn teeth, dude, and his hair. He just oh man. I hate his I hate his Twitter, Abby. It's you so, mean fucking so
2: Kendall ass bitch. <laughs> I know.
0: Okay, so let's let's talk a bit about Utah because Utah's had quite a few weeks. Well, okay. Mm, months we've, we've had a quite the existence in Utah. <clears throat> and I think, well, I, 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 I'll give a little bit of a hint to it, but we, we, the three of us did an episode with Joe Casabian on his podcast that I'm excited for it to come out. Cause we talk about some of like the history of Utah, but I, you know, what i'm really excited for is utah returning to its roots and spoiler about
1: utah history
0: it's fucked up (laughs) incredibly racist um and things have gotten really um bad lately um again but one thing that kind of popped up out of nowhere that i really didn't see coming so the jazz played the lakers yesterday and what turned out to be the jazz just murdering the lakers but beautiful um, right before the game started uh former jazz player uh Elijah Millsap is the brother of Paul Millsap he played for the jazz for about a year and he was in the jazz organization for a year uh he had a thread on twitter about like racism and bigoted language and he tweeted out um the following he said on- Almost six years ago on April 16th, 2015, Dennis Lindsay made bigoted remarks in my exit interview while conversing with Quinn Snyder quote, if you say one more word, I'll cut your black ass and send you back to back to Louisiana. So when he says exit interview, he means the end of season uh, interview because he joined the jazz beginning of 2015, April 16th was the end of our season that year. And then um, he ended up being cut from the jazz about a year later after he joined in 2016. So he had this thread and um, you, of course, I mean, you had the most predictable responses by people like, you know, why did you wait six years to say that? I mean, and the obvious people like
2: you exist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because people like this guy exists, but also when you're like a fringe NBA player and a general manager were to say something to you, like this um you don't want to be a problem in the league and you want to have a job um and obviously there's like uh i mean gms talk to each other they have relationships and if you're worried about not being able to get a job somewhere else like stuff things like that could matter and how a gm views you and how they talk to you talk about you to other gms also matters so again asking why he didn't say this earlier it's it's bullshit but also um, I think something that's interesting is that I mean Elijah wasn't and, and like a, like a lot of people like instantly upset that he even brought this up, which in and of itself is a reason why he would wait this long. But people were like like oh so now we're, like we just have to destroy Dennis Miller. Um, excuse me. Wait, what? Yes, Dennis, Dennis Miller. Linsley. Dennis, See, I, Dennis that's Lindsay. Right, sorry. Babe. I don't. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> of Gail Miller. I was like, wait, what the fuck's his name? Um, Dennis Lindsay's life because like something he may not have said and like his entire thread wasn't about that he said i believe truth is the key to human evolution and must be shared continually empower the human consciousness of people being oppressed like he he didn't say like he even went on to say i don't even think he's racist he just used racist language and that's an example of how this type of thing can seep into like this type of discussion like he he like at a complete base layer, what he didn't call him racist. He just was talking about the language and it, it it stuck with him this whole time. Um, So Sarah Todd, who was on this podcast talked with um, who's also a friend of the pod also but she said i spoke with elijah Millsap this morning about the incident and he referred to it in his tweet last night he said that his hope is that by shining a light on the use of bigoted language that there can be progress and change may the purpose of his coming forward was not to paint dennis Lindsay as a racist i don't believe he's a racist i was highlighting the remarks Millsap's hope is that by sharing his own experience it will benefit others possibly start conversations even if they're hard to those wondering about why now after six years well that's the wrong question it ignores the fear and the fear of consequence And of Millsap's position at the time, Millsap said that instead, people should be asking how to be more empathetic and how we can work towards unity and much more coming in a full story um, later from Sarah. So like the most predictable responses of people just immediately like, like, oh, so now we just got have to fire him as if like anyone was asking for that. Elijah just had a thread about like racism and he just shared his experience and immediately was just like, why the fuck would you say this? Like the burden is on him. Like he can't even just say something that happened. And all of a sudden he wasn't calling for any action to be taken. And like the league is investigating and everything, but he just straight up was talking about something that happened to him and immediately is attacked for like just even fucking saying something. So like, of course people don't say things because it's not fucking worth it. Oh. Like, elijah i mean he might come away with this i'm he seems like a a super grounded dude and like he has his head in the right spot and so i don't i don't know how much it's gonna affect him anyway i'm pretty sure he knows what he's dealing with here but like like why the fuck do it it's it's rarely worth it to talk about this shit because you instantly get these type of responses it's got to be so fucking exhausting
1: oh it is too i mean no one's, like, Dennis Lindsay's not going to get fired or anything like that. Right. Like, like, that's that's an insane thing to think about, and like, thinking that, thinking that it's just hyperbole. I mean, take a look at what happened with Morgan Scally, who, like, said the N-word multiple times and also, like, said racialized language towards, like, wide receivers at the U. He got a letter of reprimand. Yeah. Like, I, I he think like that. got, like, a ding in his paycheck. Yeah. Right.
3: He,
1: he, he lost his, like, coach-in-waiting status, which, oh, no. But other than that, like, nothing happened to him. And, like, yeah. and like nothing's going to happen to Dennis Lindsay. And, like, the reaction to this is just incredible, too. And everyone's just like, why would you think this happens? Like, well, first of all, it's Utah, and it's the Jazz, and we can't have, like, a month without one of our players trying to say something about civil rights on a social media platform without that getting, like, brigaded by racists.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean – yeah, sorry, Greg, continue.
2: And, like, you have to ask yourself, too, like, like what does Elijah Millsap gain by doing this? Because, like, all he's getting is this avalanche of bullshit from people who, like, don't believe him. And, like, he's not gaining anything. It's not like he's going to, like, say this and all of a sudden get reinstated into the NBA. Like, he's going to get a 10-day contract or something like that. No, like, he's just – it's like speaking his truth to light, and that's it, and that's how we progress as a society. And you have to keep that in mind when things like that are happening.
1: This feeds so well into our next segment,
0: by the way. It yeah. really does. So, um, I mean, Jordan, take it. Introduce our next segment and walk us through what's going on.
1: Wonderful. Well, in Utah, we have a wonderful uh beat writer for the Deseret News by the name of Doug Robinson, who um The only thing you can really say about him is he is the most, like, aggrieved white man ever. He's the perfect sports writer for Utah. Oh, he really is. So there's an article he wrote right after Tim Tebow retired from AAA baseball at the age of 33. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he was just doing the standard Crash Davis stuff, which, which happens, you know, like Kevin Costner and Bull Durham. There's nothing wrong with that, just staying in the league forever, despite the fact that... You know, you're not really that good. So, I'm going to read some of it for you. Tim Tebow retired from baseball last week, bringing an anti- anti-climactic end to a professional athletic career that once had great promise. His real sport, of course, was football. Baseball was the other woman he ran to when football divorced him. Good Lord. Uh,. <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. Tebow was the 2007 Heisman Trophy winner and led Florida to two national championships. He was the 25th overall pick of the NFL draft in 2010 via the Denver Broncos. His career covered just three seasons, 35 games, 16 starts, eight wins. That's... By the way, just editors know here that, that's not a really good start when you want to go with like showing how this guy has like had athletic prowess. <laughs> like congratulations, you won one in every 4.5 games. <laughs> Great stuff. He signed up for the baseball ride in 2016 and it was promoted to AAA in 2019. No one expected it to go that far, except for the Wilpons, the owner of the New York Mets who uh, really just wanted to sell jerseys. Uh, oh Te- Tebow came along at the wrong time in the NFL, the wrong time for option quarterbacks, the wrong time for good guys. <laughs> he was a famously clean cut, devout Christian who knelt and prayed on the field and praised God almost every time a microphone was stuck in his face. Gee, I wonder why people might think he's a little bit obnoxious. Yeah, Tebow, the son of Christian missionaries, had a platform and he knew it. He wore references and biblical verses on his eye black in college. In high-profile games, they generated the most Google searches, as many as 90 million, for the next 24 hours. But then the NCAA banned eye black messages. The media dubbed it the Tebow Rule. the The links to this page are amazing, by the way, because it just goes like some sort of standard, like, like. It goes to like a Bleacher Report article, too. Like, I'm sure the NCAA didn't ban it because of Bible verses, but more because like people like Reggie Bush were like writing 619 on their like eye black or something. <laughs> yeah, <I did>. <laughs> <laughs> Got a Ja Morant fuck 12 on the eye black. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. they got rid of it because if it was going on right now, too, you'd have so many guys just like 1312 on their eye black. And it's like, yep. we can't
2: do that. Every single lineman for the or for BYU just has fourteen
0: eighty eight. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> the views of Greg oh. do not directly reflect the rest of Brigham Young. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Tebow didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't swear, didn't chase women, didn't budge from the standards that were once America's standards, and didn't ever complete a pass to a checkdown. <laughs> It is incredible that,
0: like, um, I mean, when you compare, like, how, how does Tom Brady fit into all these dudes' equation who think, like, the white conservative man is, like, oppressed in the NFL or something like that?
1: Tom, like, Tom Brady doesn't do all those things because he's a psychopath, but.
0: Well, yeah, it, it, exactly. But he's, like, an open MAGA dude, and he's, like, been praised as, like, one of the greatest football players of all time, like, recently. Like,
1: And also, those were never America's standards, too. Like, what are you talking about? like it was just annoying
0: and not good
1: yeah didn't drink didn't smoke didn't swear didn't chase women like okay those were never america's standards like we we banned drinking in this country and we pretty much just had a crime wave from all the people trying to drink (laughs) and
2: to uh you know to all this i say like if jesus can't save your football career you just fucking suck at it.
0: That's right, dude. He was bad.
3: There
1: were He was really bad. There were so many people who bought Tebow jerseys, too. Any NFL team would love a quarterback like Tebow if he could make more than, like, a five-yard slant route. Oh, my God.
2: Who knew? And, like—
0: This guy's is insufferable. And
2: the whole idea that, like, he didn't make it in the league and, like, <clears throat> because he came around at the wrong time— it's like, no, it's because he was a stubborn asshole who wouldn't stop playing quarterback despite multiple teams asking him to, like, switch the tight end or fullback <laughs> or linebacker That's... or a position that more suited his skill set because he had a fucking spaghetti arm.
1: When he played for the Jets, Rex Ryan asked him to play <laughs> tight end and fullback, and he refused. They, they, he, they tried to make him go in the wildcat even, and he refused. Like even the Wildcat, they had to have a uh, Jeremy Kearney, I think, the wide receiver for the Jets, had uh-huh. to had to play that because Tebow wouldn't. Like, listen, guys, Tim Tebow crawled so Taysom Hill could run. Oh. <laughs> Taysom Hill would play other positions, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, he did that's yeah. what made him successful in
0: the NFL. He could
1: have been a Taysom Hill, and that's and
2: the tr- thing. Taysom Hill has the standards. A version. Taysom-,
0: Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill does the is the exact same guy, except he was willing to just like do what it took to stay in the NFL,
1: and he is beloved in New Orleans. Yes. I know they love him. Oh my god! Yeah, like <laughs> like it, they're going to get him it's the kill because car. It, like completely defeats like Doug Robinson's thesis here. But you know, whatever. All right, here we go. It, it really takes a turn here. By the way, who knew Americans would turn on a guy like that? But they did. Just as they turned on Kurt Warner and his wife. Oh, Lord. Okay. Just to kind of put that in perspective, too. Kurt Warner and his wife, like Brenda Warner, no one hated them because they were Christians. They hated them because Brenda Warner used to call into, like, sports radio shows and tell them how the team sucked. Like, it's always just like, oh, they just hate them for their faith. Like, no, they were really irritating for a lot of levels.
2: I wonder how many burner she w- accounts she would have if like Kurt Warner was a thing now. Oh, oh man! Like how rad would that be? It'd Be like, what was it? Was it Jerry Colangelo, the uh, yeah Sixers GM? We've
1: talked to- yeah, with- we've talked about yeah. him on this pod. With the with the burner account, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Americans. All
0: are his normal size. Find a new slant.
1: Americans love the bad boys. Guys like Dennis Rodman and Terrell Owens and disparage the good boys. First off, you. And second <laughs> Dude. Off, second off, people hated Dennis Rodman. Yep. Hated him. Was there a more vilified basketball player in the 90s than
2: Dennis Rodman? No.
1: no absolutely no. not. Because people would never just like try to realize like, Oh, he's just kind of a weird guy. Like, no, they oh, ran him here, out of. Here's, like... he,
0: he, yeah. And he, here's a good uh, juxtaposition there. People here loved Carl Malone who uh, raped a 13 year old and hated Dennis Robin because he cross dressed and had green hair.
1: Yeah. And like... Dennis Robin. Yeah. He's a weird guy who likes to party, but you know what? Like the only person, the only people who tried to understand him were people who were able to utilize him like in a manner that actually won championships. Exactly. And like, and, like, most of the league hated Dennis Rodman, hated Terrell Owens. Like, think about how many people, like, made jokes about Terrell Lowens after, like, a suicide attempt he had. I know. Like, yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, what are you talking about? Well, also, it's kind of interesting his choices, too. Like, I wonder what Kurt Warner and Tim Tebow have in common and also what Dennis <laughs> Rodman and Terrell Lowens have in common. So
0: weird. I, I don't oh really
1: have to, like, do the math for you, I think, but it seems kind of interesting what kind of choices he made there. Owens was a team cancer as opposed to Tim Tebow who did everything his team asked him to do and made a spectacle of himself for this. He was rewarded with a reality TV show. Rodman turned himself into a freak show and was given movie roles and fawning Elvis like attention because they were interesting. Tim Tebow is not interesting. I do yeah. not want to watch a reality show of just like following a guy, like breaking his yard or something like that's not interesting. Most- The most interesting
2: thing I've ever seen from Tim Tebow was like a targeted ad. I got on Instagram for like the Tim Tebow fitted shirt and he's literally doing bicep curls in a button up shirt. Oh, good hell. Which could not like portray or like encapsulate Tim Tebow better than the type of guy who would do bicep curls in a button up shirt.
1: Tebow knew on the field before knelt on the field before and after games. The media called it Tebowing, and he was ridiculed for it. No, it was a meme. Like, what are you talking about? Colin Kaepernick. Colin nick nailed during the national anthem, and was made a folk hero. Are oh you my, he fucking kidding is- me?
0: On un- just completely been blackballed from the NFL since then, but yep, totally. Yep. And, and Kyle, which
1: one was called a son of a bitch by the president of the United States for for kneeling?
0: Is it Obama? Surely called Tebow that, right? I think so.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, because you know, yeah. like you know, he Obama hates white Muslim. people, so right one website which by the way to look up it's the tilt i have never heard of this website in my life claimed to have conducted the poll in which readers were asked whose kneeling was more acceptable kaepernick's oh my or tebow's god. oh my god <laughs> the website claimed kaepernick oh, oh won 80 percent of the vote
0: oh my god
1: oh, <laughs> oh man um How many like so glad I didn't read this beforehand? (laughs) How many like MAGA people were like saying like I'm not gonna watch the NFL anymore because Tebow kneeled?
2: Oh like imagine becoming a sports editor just because you're a Facebook uncle.
1: Here is my favorite here is my favorite line of the entire of the entire article, by the way. If Tebow had come along in the nineteen fifties, the vote would have been reversed wonder why well i wonder why doug (laughs) well doug when you're right you're right (laughs) he's spot on dude great insight there wow i can't imagine how popular yeah i can't imagine how popular a black man kneeling in front of the national anthem in the nfl in the 1950s would have gone um i'm gonna guess not well I, i how does he not just look at what he just fucking wrote and be
0: like, maybe I'm the baddie, like, like what the fuck? I'm not
1: even disappointed in Doug Robinson. Like this is who Doug Robinson is. I'm disappointed in whoever edited him. Brutal. Like
2: speaking of the 1950s, like Bill Russell had to change in a different locker room than his white <laughs> teammates God. in the 1950s when he was playing for the Celtics. So like, of course, Tebow's gonna feel a little bit more comfortable. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You stupid bastard. Yeah. Kurt you flood you used to have to like stay in the baby brain. Yeah, Kurt flood used to have to stay in a hotel across town when he played for the Cardinals in the 1950s. Oh my God. Like You fucking infant. Ernie Banks had to live on the South side of Chicago, despite being like Mr. Cub, like they forced Unreal. him to like, it's unbelievable. Like this came out. Mother- you wrote this. What are you thinking? This motherfucker
2: does not have a single wrinkle in his brain.
1: <laughs> no, it is very smooth. So smooth, like a, it
2: just looks. It, it's uh, like the fucking salt flats. If Dude. it was
1: a stone, it would just skip across a lake.
0: Jordan, <laughs> do we have more highlights from this, or should we move on to the to the the next and second to we, we last? We should we
2: should probably talk about it as well. Is like this is not the first time that Doug Robinson has put something like this out.
1: Oh yeah, uh, you no, know, we
2: can all we can all you know if you want to you can you can look it up. Deadspin did a great article on this. Like, I don't
0: right? I, yeah, I
2: forgot. Backing.
1: Luke O'Brien did a great article. Where it was during the uh, NBA lockout in 2011 where, uh, yeah, where Amari Stallmeyer said, like, you know what? Maybe we should just form our own league, just because, like, it's obvious that the owners don't really have our best interests at heart, and of course, like. And of course, Doug Robinson just writes an article that is the most like coded language I've ever heard in my life, including like talking like, how are you going to run a league when most of you go broke because you have to finance your posse and wear all your chains? And it's literally like that. Like, I'm almost like sure that's verbatim. I haven't pulled
2: up. I'm just going to read a few things from this. Like he says, they can't even handle their own finances. So why do they think they can run a billion dollar business? To listen to Stoudemire, though, starting a league is simple. It's just a matter of us strategically coming up with a plan, a blueprint, and putting t- putting it together, he said. Stoudemire sounds like Bubba in Forrest Gump when he is trying to convince Forrest oh. to join him in this shrimp shrimping business. I got it all figured out too. So many pounds of shrimp to pay off the boat. So many pounds to pay off the gas. We can just live right off the boat. The devil is in the details. Do Stoudemire and the other players, if they are really other players <coughs> considering this idiotic idea, have any idea what they're getting into? Does he realize who he would have to build and finance? Or does he realize he would have to build and finance the construction of arenas or convince politicians to build them? With public funding, is he prepared to negotiate broadcasting rights or player salaries? Can he sell tickets?
1: Good. It's just it's, you're right. It's the, like,
0: the people buy tickets to see the owners, actually. So it's the 2011 version of shut up and dribble.
1: That really is. Oh, I like. I, I I definitely just like buy tickets to jazz games because I just want to see Gail Miller sit courtside. That's yep. that's all I want to see.
2: I just want to see Ryan smith in his beautiful backwards hat and his man capris
0: and that those cool ass jackets he's always wearing <laughs> he does have really cool jackets they're just like a... what the <sighs> oh my god well okay um should we, we need some on? ryan
2: smith drip for the pod move
0: on to the next uh topic of racism in this goddamn state <laughs> so uh headline from the saint george news you're not going to get rid of racism. 80 year old woman organizes to
1: protest, protect Utah's Dixie. Well, first of all, we got to get rid of you. So,
0: yeah, I mean,
2: he's actually the only woman on earth from it with a Tim Tebow jersey from the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so. This article is fucking absurd. Um, so we're just gonna go through it real quick. Um, and basically what's going on is a ton of things in St. George have been named and called Dixie for a long time. We had Dixie States. Um, it was, it's been called Utah's Dixie for a long time. They had Dixie. Uh, I think they have the D on the, the mountain. Um, they just, Oh, it says full Dixie. Oh, does it say full Dixie? Yeah. I can yeah. So it's just got a ton of shit like that. And the, you know, um, The reason why it's called Dixie is because, well, first, the reason why the American South was called Dixie is because it's below the Mason-Dixon line. The Mason-Dixon line is what separated the North from the South during the Confederacy. So Dixie is synonymous with the Confederacy because that's what it was so when you're talking about dixie it invokes obviously a lot of feelings about the confederacy and what it stood for and how they fought a war to preserve slavery so has often nothing
1: to do with like dixie state college having its mascot be the rebels
0: yeah certainly nothing to do with that so strange that they might do that but um anyway so when passing by St. George City offices Thursday morning, one might not have noticed much from the front doors, but they likely would, would have heard singing and chanting in favor of the name Dixie. Quote, if you're from Washington, Santa Clara, or St. George, fine. Anywhere below the Iron County line, then you're from Dixie. Hooray for Dixie, people chanted. About 200 protesters gathered in the parking lot on the back side of the building in hopes of making their voices heard on the topic of removing the name Dixie from local entities in Washington County. Dixie State University is considering changing the name, and there have been conversations surrounding a possible name change for the Dixie State uh, Convention Center. Protest signs included phrases like, save Dixie, Dixie's my home, don't be a woke joke, to name a few.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes!
0: The protest was organized by 80-year-old Joey Simmons Ashby, who was born and raised in St. George. She said she will pick it as long as she is alive, hopefully not much longer, to keep the name Dixie. People in Saint George are not racist," Sammons Ashby said. "I can't speak for all of the people that have moved in. I'm speaking for of the people from Dixie. We were never racist, never. Dixie is the name that is a name that means a lot to us. It's our heritage. That's where have we heard that before? Heritage, it's not heritage. hate. Heritage, not hate. That's right. <laughs> Interesting. They will not replace us. Okay. An online petition about the topic has received almost 20,000 signatures to keep Dixie as the name for Saint George. A message advertising the, the protest spoke about the origin of the word Dixie and how it has nothing to do with slavery. The text included information about the original settlers of southern Utah and linked the name Dixie in Utah to the south through the warm climate and the ability to grow cotton, grapes, and tobacco. Hmm, okay. <laughs> At the time, the word Dixie had absolutely zero derogatory connection to slavery or Confederates, the text said. Not true. That all came years later after the Civil War started. Oh, I guess, okay, well, that was while the Confederate Confederacy existed, but whatever. That all came years later after the Civil War started, and the Confederates started adopting songs about Dixie, about Dixie simply because they were about the region where they lived. Unfortunately, that has tarnished the word in the minds of many people that now connect the word Dixie to slavery. That's not the case here in southern Utah. In our minds, we connect the word Dixie to our ancestors who built this oasis in the desert through their blood, sweat, and tears. The blood and soil. Um, Dixie is a term that originated from the Mason-Dixon line. I already talked about that. Um, so they talk a bit about how, again, this is... Um, <laughs> this, this is interesting. Historians say that Dixie, uh, the, the, the Dixie moniker as it relates to Southern Utah was coined by Robert Dockery Covington, a settler who owned slaves in a Southern cotton plantation before freeing them and joining the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to move his family west. So that's that's a fun little tidbit there. Um, So there's some interesting quotes from uh, from these people, like in particular. um, Let's see. So she she, uh, Salmons Ashby, she mentions some quotes from the Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, She says she admits that there is racism in America, but urged city officials not to take away the heritage behind the name Dixie, Washington County. You're not going to get rid of racism, but instead of complaining, think about all the blessings black people have, Sam and Zashby said. Because oh, of their Jesus. ancestors, they're able to be an American. Oh, no. No, 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 that's, no, 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 no. That's an interesting way of talking about how their ancestors got here. But anyway, they're they able to be invited, an American. They
1: were invited,
0: Kyle. They were able to be born here. They... They're able to do something for themselves because this is America. This is America. And they can pull up their bootstraps and do it if they want oh, to. Yes. There's plenty of people to help the blacks right now. So instead of complaining, oh. do something. But there's no racism, right? Nope. Uh, Salmon Ashby was also asked about former minstrel shows, blackface performances and mock slave auctions at Dixie State University. Probably something to um, a good thing to ask about. Um The name of the university that has been revisited a number of times, including talks in 2013 and 15. We used to have minstrel shows here in St. George. It was fun. It was nothing racist. Sam and Dashby said, I used to dress up with blackface for Halloween. I actually think it was a compliment to want to look like a blackface. I actually think it was a compliment to want to look like a blackface. Look at the good, quit looking at the bad. Forgive, go on, do something for yourselves, earn your respect. You're not going to do it by tearing down statues. That's funny that she mentioned tearing down statues because I'm curious how that relates to renaming Dixie state university
1: because the Robert Covington also has a statue in Washington County.
0: Oh, got it. Okay. Mm, interesting. And maybe kind of related to the Confederate statues that are being torn down. Listen, interesting.
1: if we tear down all the statues to slave overseers in, in Utah, then no one will ever know that his, that slavery ever happened in America. Okay. That's right. And uh, because the that- only
2: two statues we'll have left in this fucking state is Carl Malone and John Stockton. <laughs>
0: god this article is uh, courtesy of ryan williams in the saint george news so um just really good stuff there so this um this all, all the stuff that's been going on has made its way north actually and um, speaker brad wilson uh famous for being mentioned earlier in this podcast had had some things to say about this he said the dixie name is beloved by many in our state but negative perceptions present challenges to both students and employers Today, these challenges were confirmed by business leaders from SkyWest and Vasion, two Washington County companies that employ hundreds of Utahns. These companies shared firsthand experiences from their businesses and described the negative effects of the term Dixie has had on their employees' recruitment and the growth potential of Southern Utah's economy. I believe now is the right time to make this change. Waiting any longer would do a great disservice to students and employers and unnecessarily prolong the divisive debate within our communities. I just like, you know, I've been been convinced by the business community that the racism is slightly too much. So we're dying. We got to dial it back. Oh,
2: you (laughs) criticize the name Dixie. Corporations get mad at me. Sorry, sorry, trying to delete. Sorry, trying to delete. <laughs> the thing is, like,
1: it's this is the only way you're going to have any sort of like progressive change in Utah is if it's so like horrific that businesses will be like, listen, you, you, we can't justify this to have have it here. Like, you have to fix it. Yeah. So, which is wonderful because like we have to hope that like Adobe or Oracle get hurt, like like find that the humanity in their in their operations to like try and push for change inside the state i mean this is just what it's going to be in utah because it's not like we have any sort of opposition party like the it's a two-party system in the state and it's just church in business and that's it yeah i mean and which brings up the question too like have we kind of progr-
2: progressed beyond just like i don't know like like oligarchy in in this state and in this country and like are we just like full speed ahead towards corporatism i mean that's, that's what uh, it certainly uh, kind of feel like we're already there man like i think yeah, that
1: I, it's we, not just like we're heading there i think we're already there i mean yeah like for example the Trans athletic bill that we talked about in our last podcast and things like that,
0: and that we'll be talking about in in as our final topic. But
1: yes, yeah, like the only reason that was tabled in the Senate was because like the Silicon Slopes Association decided to just slam it, and yeah. once that happened, it wasn't any other organization. It was just Silicon Slopes saying, "Please don't do this." Like this is makes it really hard for us to talk to our friends over in Silicon Valley and like, uh, hey, sorry, we're I I know we're woke, but uh, not much we it's, can do here.
0: Yeah. It's literally that, like, oh, guys, we're we, we are supposed to have the NBA All-Star game in a couple of years. Like, they're not going to want to do that. Exactly, if we, yeah. They're not going to do that if we've got that here. Oh, guys, Adobe is going to want to stop, like, moving their California um, employees to Utah if, like, you guys do this. Like, oh, we've got to dial it back. And because, like... Utah Republicans have built themselves on being this like woke Republicanism thing that Spencer Cox in particular embodies. Like we're going to be seeing a lot more of this. Any any like um, defense against like completely like reactionary conservative law, like what we're going to be talking about in just a second, what we mentioned um, last time, is going to be because of this. And um, like, quite honestly, uh, I I think that like potentially the, um, outdoor expo doesn't leave Utah. If like we're having these d- discussions now, like they would be another mm-hmm. one put putting similar pressure because like, um, yeah. And it just happened too early. So yeah, let, let's move on to, um, our final topic, which is that, that trans exclusionary bill. That was, um, specifically, uh, the one that was talking about, um, student athletes in high school. So, Essentially, it it bans transgender girls from K through 12 sports, specifically transgender girls and uh, for participating in women's sports. Um, So a Utah Senate committee voted to adjourn Wednesday night without taking a vote on that controversial bill. The bill is basically dead for now. um, But again, this comes on the heels i mean this that this type of thing is being tried everywhere but utah is pretty unique in being a very red state that has a ton of like tech companies and like pressure from places like california and like we're trying to become i don't know what we're trying to become it's just like gonna turn into a neoliberal hell we know what downtown salt lake is turning into but um yeah, I, I don't know what the goal is, but that's where we're headed. So
2: it's just going to be a giant fucking condo complex yeah. from Brigham City to Payson.
0: I mean, go look at how many like luxury apartment complexes are being built uh, downtown, just like demolishing blocks and then putting those up. It's, like, it's like, I don't know,
2: five more years from now and like Glendale and Rose Park will cease to exist. Yeah.
0: So, um, this is good. I'm glad the bill is dead. Um, but what we really want to talk about, today, I think we mentioned him last episode with, um, with eat the press, we mentioned Troy Williams briefly, I think. And he is the executive director for equality Utah. And they kind of bill themselves as the premier organization for fighting for LGBTQ rights in Utah. Um, he is quite the character and we want to talk a little bit about him and his role uh, as what he does. It's, it's really um, concerning in my view and a lot of other people's views as well. So um, lately, so he, he's, he's framed himself as being on the forefront of the fight against this bill. He's like been in um, session. He's been a, up at the Capitol building um, testifying, um, and, you know, saying the right things when it comes to trans kids, uh, about trans kids. And he's also on, been on Twitter doing a lot of tone policing. Um, and again, just keep in mind, this is someone who endorsed John Huntsman for, uh, governor. Um, he calls himself a liberal Republican. I don't really know what that means, but, Anyway, he, he on Twitter, he said, I've been saying this for the past three days. Do not attack lawmakers with threats or name calling. It does not help rage tweeting or emailing makes you feel good, but it doesn't actually help transgender youth. It doesn't build empathy or compassion. I've seen some of the emails that lawmakers are receiving and they are disgusting. <laughs> Jesus. Again, he is never like he hasn't called the bill disgusting, but okay. So, I've seen the emails. They're disgusting. We have to be be better than this. Opening hearts happens when we build trust. I've seen many former opponents become allies. We win when we love. Please, please do not attack. And one of the top replies to that was, which was just fucking hilarious, was every lawmaker on the other side is tomorrow's ally. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Wonderful. So. I'm sure that's you know I'm sure he has just the best of intentions there and that there's no real reason why he would want to um, you know remain really good friends with the Republicans. But anyway, uh, before the the final hearings, which took place yet yesterday, which did end up um, where the the bill didn't go through, um, Trey posted something on Twitter which was just incredible. So he posted a picture of him and some other. Um, women around him, and Gail Rusica. Is that how you say your last name? Rusica? Rusica? I don't fucking know. No idea. Don't care. So he, he said, we have Gail surrounded. Getting ready to testify on HB302. Let's love and protect transgender kids. So He posted a picture with this woman, Gail Rusica. He followed up this tweet with, no shade towards Gail. We get along famously. She was my mentor many years ago. I'm grateful for all that she taught me. So, We should talk about who Gail Ruzica is. And she is the head of the Utah Eagle Forum. The Eagle Forum is a national conservative interest group, and she's been the head of the Utah um, chapter for a very long time. She is an 80-year-old woman who is spending her nights uh, still in the House, in the Senate chambers, um, basically advocating for legislation that um, would quite literally lead to, uh, transgender kid, like more exclusion and definitionally, uh, more suicide. Um, and she has spent her entire life basically fighting for this exact cause. Well, not the exact cause about transgender people, but basically fighting for what she calls conservative values. Um, and she's been really good at it. She was one of the notable components about like against getting the, um, Let's see the, the equal right and uh, equal rights amendment uh, ratified. She was incredibly. She's basically been oh, and and she was a talk host in Utah for a long time too. She's like Utah's Rush Limbaugh without just being a, a slightly bit more refined. Um, this is a very evil person who has dedicated her life towards advancing harm on people, and she's been successful at it. And it turns out that Troy. Um, is very he brags a lot about his friendship with her and it's really fucking annoying and um really sinister so he he didn't interview that gross yeah it, it's really bad but he didn't interview that said after returning home from his mission he was an intern at utah's chapter of the of the eagle forum in utah the eagle forum is a religiously conservative anti-gay organization that focuses on affecting policy uh troy's gay also Williams tried to to deny his identity while there, but it kept bubbling to the surface. Since then, he has maintained a cordial relationship with Gail Ruzica, the chapter's president. I love Gail Ruzica, and Gail Ruzica loves me, and she'll tell anybody. Gail always says, I have gay friends, and I'm not a homophobe. Well, she's talking about me and other people that she knows, Williams said.
2: She's it's it's the same shit it's the i have a gay friend i have a black friend excuse it's all the same bullshit
0: yeah and it's what's really what's insane about this is that like i mean he's he he says his life is dedicated to like fighting for civil rights for um you know lgbtq youth he is the executive director of equality utah who's basically you know like my company that I work for hired them to come do like a talk on allyship or whatever. He's like, he does the corporate rounds. He is, but what he really is is just a conservative outreach group. He's like the, um, like the HR version of like gay education, like, and the fact that he can just, talk about how good friend how good of friends with he he is with gail and that they just simply have like a disagreement about politics is so abhorrent to me like it's it's to frame this as just like just simple disagreements and you know and his whole fucking theory of politics is like you just be nice to people and eventually they're on your side and here you have an 80 year old woman who is one of his apparently good friends who is still doing this fucking bullshit and like targeting trans kids. But I thought that was the way to, I thought being friends with these people people's the way to get them on your side. What's the argument for being nice to Gail Ruzica? Like she is somebody who is actively like, she literally has deaths on her hands for how people like gay people have been treated in this country or this state in particular, all over the, over the years, and trans kids now, like, she just is moving her target, and Troy's just sitting there taking selfies with her, and saying, like, no, we're actually friends, like, this isn't me making fun of her, like, this is cool, like, we're all just friends here, we just disagree
1: on politics. At the end of the day, we all still get along. Now let's all go I, out for tall, frosty milkshakes. It's horseshit, of the highest like, order, like, like, there's no reason to be nice to Gail Ruzica at any level because everything she's done in her career is just horrific. And it's meant to keep people down, whether it's women from the 1970s, eighties to, to now, even if you include, if you include like abortion rights, it's fighting against the equal rights amendment. It's fighting against gay marriage. It's fighting against actually just like gay liberation at all, or trans liberation or anything that you could find yourself on the right history of Gail Ruzica is against it. And she's always yeah. been it's against any-
2: it. It's anything that like goes beyond her like little myopic window or like the little room she lives her life in.
0: Yeah. I mean, like listen to some of this shit. Like she said, Um, so, I mean, she, in 2001, she was like super, super anti-gay. Um, and there was like a Salt Lake city weekly that had, um, like ads that were related to gay culture and she lobbied to get those removed. And even things like, like this during the 2007 Utah legislative session, she led the Utah Eagle forum in the fight to oppose house bill 358, which appropriated $1 million for the Utah department of health to promote the availability of a cervical cancer vaccine. In 2012, she acted as a prominent opponent of, or excuse me, proponent of HB 363, a House bill that would prohibit public schools from teaching students about sex. This bill would give schools the option to either teach abstinence only or not provide sex education at all. It, that bill was was straight up vetoed by Governor Herbert. It's just, it's just like she, you cannot. I, she, this is not like just some random regular person that has different political values than you. Than you. I I don't, I don't know if it's particularly a, a an american phenomenon but like Um, we have this thing where like we conflate politicians and people in power as just like regular people like these people are wielding incredible power and someone like Gail has like tons of money behind her where she's made a lifetime career out of advancing incredibly harmful legislation and has been incredibly successful about it she's not just like your conservative neighbor who you disagree with like this is not you don't be friends with these people I'm not telling like you can be you can love your family who just who you disagree with even if they're anti-gay you can love them and you can have relationships with them and try to change their mind they're not they're not doing the harm that gail is doing so for troy to just go out there and be like everyone needs to be nice to everyone you guys need to be nice to the, to the legislature that's doing this and you guys need to also accept me being nice to gail because she's just my friend and we like have coffee together it's fucking disgusting uh,
1: i i'm on the like, eagle forum page right now too i'm just reading like articles that have been put out by gail ruzika and Here's a good She's one from, from February, too. Like, Utah children getting dangerous hormone therapy and surgery. Many parents in Utah are taking their children to transgender clinics seeking hormone therapy and surgery for their children to change their sex. This is troublesome because, in bold text, sex cannot be changed. Yeah, you're going to just win this person over. Like, what are you thinking? I know. <sighs> Doctors are using the children as guinea pigs with untested and unproven drugs. As a result, their bodies are mutilated and children become sterilized. This terrible practice must be stopped right now. There are over a hundred children in the GEMS clinic at the University of Utah receiving these hormone treatments with more children starting the treatment on a regular basis. This means there will be hundreds of sterile and mutilated children by the end of the year. You're not going to win this fucking person over. Yeah. no. So I mean,
0: there are I mean, I'm a stray white dude, but I was like her cr- criticizing Troy, but trans folks and like other people that are members of the LGBTQ community here were going after Troy for some of these things he's saying. And it's like, like, dude, why are you like, why are you touting your friendship with her on the night when you're like fighting against with theoretically fighting against this bill again as we mentioned this bill didn't get defeated because of troy this bill got defeated because the utah because utah is trying to brand itself as being like open to these like tech companies and that's a big thing that they're pushing and tech companies will stop wanting to move here um if we have this type of legislation on the books but anyway
1: um so it 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 really is something to behold that you think that by being friendly to your mentor, who, who the people you say you're defending right now, she calls mutilated monsters. Dude, she would put them in fucking camps if if, if she had her way. And he's just like, she's my friend.
0: Like that's not, that's. Oh, I don't even think she put them in camps. She liquidated them. I was, I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. Like, but God damn. Yeah.
2: Are we sure this woman doesn't like? Does she even acknowledge Troy is like an actual person?
0: I'm sure she, or like, I'm, as an equal, I, I'm de- like she would take away his right to marry a, a man on in an instant yeah. if she could.
1: Well, ten years ago in the trip, she called him a militant homosexual. So take that from what you will. And she knew who it was. So yeah, I mean,
0: like Troy has made his entire brand as just being like this, like, um, like this cheerleader of like this type of politics of just like this like his view of of like gay politics and he's like expanded it into trans kids now which he uh, equality utah famously didn't do for a long time and i've trans friends who were very very uh not fond of this organization because of that um he's like he's just turned this into just like a like oh, all we have to do is just be like party and like love and, and they'll accept us or, or whatever. We'll just show them how much we love each other and how happy we are. And that we're just so kind to everyone that they're eventually going to like be on our side. And that's not at all how politics in this country has ever worked. And it's never going to work like that. And the fact that Gail can go around saying this is my little gay friend shows that she doesn't take him seriously as a political opponent no. the reason why this politics 100%. yeah like she does not take him seriously as a political opponent because they would not be friends if she did because she's in very much in control of this friendship it 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 seems um and, yeah and you know much like Burgess Owens like
2: this is the type of person that these shitty people, can launder their awful beliefs through and say like, no, I'm, you know, I'm not a transphobe. I don't hate the LGBTQ community because, you know, I have a gay friend.
0: Look at this incredible long lasting relationship I have with Troy Williams. It's exactly. And he's, he's like, he's the one, like he's been fighting for trans lives. So clearly because I invited Troy to this meeting or whatever, so he could like show up and do a photo op or whatever Like, clearly I don't hate trans kids because I got Troy here. And he like, he's, that's exactly right. They traffic their beliefs through this incredibly milquetoast liberal organization that does not pose a threat to anyone. It doesn't. It doesn't influence anything. No, it doesn't
2: do shit. Let's call Troy what he is. He's the fucking CEO of Cloud Chasing. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. Why else
1: would like the Republican candidates for governor this year do a debate through like Equality Utah? Exactly. They don't care about exactly. your policies. They don't have to have you. What you do is you give them woke credentials that they can use to woo businesses. That's it. Yeah. They don't care if you have rights. They don't care if you have the ability to have any sort of autonomy over your own body. All they care yeah. about is that they can go to Adobe and Oracle and any other tech company wants to go into like, Hey, look, listen, we're, we're not like the regular Republicans you see over there, like those horrible ones. We're the good woke ones. Yeah. He's a fucking conduit.
3: Yeah, pretty I mean,
0: much yeah and i mean i i honestly don't know i i i i don't think troy is malicious i think he's being he's an incredibly useful idiot for these people and and like i, I mean i think he loves the spotlight he i'm sure he likes the donations that equality utah gets but like he might be likes being liked yeah and like this is not the way I, politics in 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 this country has ever worked or will ever work like Anyway, and so, I mean, people were, like, criticizing him, rightfully so, and he's basically, he doesn't ever engage on this type of thing when people are giving, like, actual good faith criticism. He calls, he, he said, whenever trolls have a go at me online, I always think of the, Indi- the Indigo Girls line. I have no need for anger with intimate strangers. I've got nothing to hide. And,
1: like... Just like that great Sean's Vitz tweet, brigaded by the vile trolls again, simply for deliberately provoking them with my lies and insults. yeah
0: i mean dude like i i I went to his website and his whole oh my god that that's literally like troy's executive director of call to utah the state's premier lgbtq political advocacy organization he his entire website is just like um him (laughs) and like talking about all of like the uh you know, he led the successful effort to ban conversion therapy for minors in, in Utah. He renamed, oh, appeared in the Errol Morales film tabloid. Yeah, he's just like all this. It's it's cloud chasing. I, it, it really is. And it makes me nauseous to look at this shit because he's like taking credit for all these things. But then also flaunting
1: his fucking relationship with Gail. It's just. What does Equality Utah actually do? Like the only thing they really do is like assign letter grades to legislators and, And that's pretty much it. And maybe make donations to certain politicians every now and then. But for the most part, they don't really do much organizing. All they pretty much do is like, hey, we're against this. And we're talking to the politicians. And we're going to sway them to our side when usually they just like pat you on the head. like, oh, that's nice. Well, we'll consider that. And then just close the door on your face. Yeah. Like, it doesn't accomplish anything. People like Troy Williams need to understand that politics is a competition for resources. And just being friends and chums with the people who consider you an enemy isn't going to do that.
0: <sighs> yeah, it's not. It's really not. Anyway, that was, it's just been an exhausting week. And like, I, I can't imagine like being a trans person and like, this is the person who's supposed to be like fighting on your behalf. This is our best shot. This is the person that's in the legislature fighting for you. And he's like, tweeting about... His bio on Equality Utah's website talks about his, like, relationship. The second line is about his relationship with Gail. It's
1: just like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, this is a guy who had a debate on LGBT rights and barely even mentioned transgender rights. Yeah. Which, like, brings up another bigger point in
2: all of this, and that, like, you really cannot take people at face value and it's something we've talked about a lot on this show of like you know the whole paradox of living in an information age and with that comes this huge influx of disinformation and it's the same with people and like it's something we've advocated and pushed a lot on this pod is like you have to do more than just like scratch the surface like you've got to go beyond that and you have to like do a little bit of resort research on people and the sources of of where you're getting your information because otherwise it's so easy to get duped by disinformation and disingenuine people like
1: troy williams yeah see the thing is i don't think he's disingenuous <clears throat> i think he's just high in his own supply i he's i think so too i i honestly
0: it's it's hard like he's just like i mean his his most r- recent tweet this is his brain he tweeted out a, um, a link to the new Handmaid's Tale trailer. And he said, it's going to be a little easier watching the new season of Handmaid's Tale now that we have a new president.
1: Oh,
2: on the like, fucking day that Biden goes back and
0: bombs Syria. I mean, yeah, I mean, in the Supreme Court, like, <clears throat> did you, I mean, like yeah. abortion rights are. Yeah, it's just like, oh, my God. I, it's just I mean his brain is just like that like that's his brain and I I. it's fucking west wing brain and I, like people were genuinely in good faith I mean I was I wasn't like being mean to him I was like dude I'm genuinely curious how you can flaunt this relationship with her like how do you square that in your brain and like he ignores of course but like and he ignored everyone that criticizes him but people are like genuinely like dude don't do this. And he's just going to keep doing it. So like, he's not interested. I am sure he doesn't think he has anything to learn about anything. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's brutal anyway. Oh, I think, I think that's enough on that topic. I, he's just, he makes me really upset. <laughs>
1: he makes me upset. No, you're not the only one. Trust me.
0: I know. Anyway, any closing thoughts, my friends, I know it's been a long uh, week. I'm really, I'm really excited for our episode with Joe to come out on, on, lines led by donkeys
1: all two hours about it about like early church history so enjoy <laughs> um
0: yeah jordan uh, led us through um early church uh, militia activity <laughs>
1: I will uh, not be writing a 13-page outline for any future podcast <laughs> because that took a lot out of me for a lot of reasons. Um, not
0: until jo- – when Jordan's done with grad school, we can do more stuff with that. But oh. Jordan straight up wrote a <laughs> gigantic-ass paper for this podcast, and then we all just made jokes while he led us through the entire thing. It was great. It's like, I, I spoke so for two, like two hours and no
1: stood up the entire time. I felt like I was just like – I felt like I was Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, just like, <laughs> I'm not going to stop. Oh my god. Oh that rules. Oh good hell. That's so But good. I do want to do more history based stuff because I got some stuff I would also like to talk about because yeah. Utah history is absurd for a lot of reasons. And yeah. Let's do it. Yep. So, cool. look for that coming out in the in the future, because it'll be fun. Hopefully, we'll also do more funny episodes, too, because, good lord, I can't do many more of these guys. I know, dude, it
0: hurts. It hurts. Oddly, that episode with Joe is a really funny one, I think. It has no also, right being dude,
1: funny, but it actually is.
0: It, it really is. It's a really funny one, and, like, I'm just very stoked to that how many like great guests we've had on recently like the eat the press folks last time was awesome jabari davis the episode before that like a very good balance of people and it's just been super fun so
1: shout out um, to all the people who tolerate us to come on our program we have we have no <laughs> right to, to have friends like you
0: yeah man and and then like that the slc punk episode also just a classic, <laughs> that was a so. great
1: one Oh, shout out to Shocks. Good guy. Yeah. Good guy.
2: Good guy. Just one thing really quickly, boys, you know, before we leave everyone, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that they need to take out a bottle of Aunt Jemima syrup and pour a little bit on the ground because Mr. Potato Head is no longer... (laughs)
1: He, he's he's joined the Great <laughs> Beyond with the Lando Lakes Native American woman, uh Uncle Ben, uh the Paw Patrol dog, uh
2: Rush Limbaugh's lungs. Uh That's Jimmy right.
1: Kimmel dressed as Carl Malone. Uh Jimmy oh Fallon dressed as Chris Reagan. Rock.
3: Oh
2: my god. Roseanne John McCain RJ or RGB that's right. Or RBG, sorry. Yeah,
1: Mr. Or Potato GB. Head's doing the Wakanda sign with RBG right now.
2: Oh, <laughs> no. 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 Potato Head's getting his or his or her. I don't know. Whatever. I don't want to miss gender. But there. Never mind.
1: I'm I'm not I'm just gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, there's no good way for that one to go. Just uh I like <laughs> potatoes. They're neat. Like Marge they really are.
0: Alright folks, Uh, thanks again for another good and brutal week. (laughs) Choose the left.
1: Bye.